you so much for tuning in and welcome everyone. Hope you're well. I'm your host, Ben Lively, and you're listening to Shaken Awake, episode number five. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment. As always, I promise you another great show, but more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord. He is always right there with you, even when you think he's not. So let's get ready to invite him in with us right here, right now, and allow him to speak directly to your minds and your hearts. So let's get right into the topic, uh, shall we? And today we're going to be discussing a topic that's had a major effect on my life, the past 41 years of it anyway, and that is putting our hope and trust slash faith into the wrong things. I want to first make a quick personal distinction between what hope and trust slash faith are, okay? Because in order to know where we're going, we first need to understand where we are. So Merriam-Webster's definition of hope kind of makes hope seem close to a wish, which they've defined as to cherish a desire with an anticipation, to want something to happen or be true. So here's the true definition of hope or the Christian definition of hope. To hope is to anticipate something good to come in the future. One does not hope for what one already has. So some of the synonyms would be expectancy, to await, to long for, anticipation, expectation, aspiration, and or desire. And I I appreciate and respect fully Paul the Apostle's use of the word hope in the Bible, specifically in Romans chapter 8, verse 22 to 25. And and it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So Merriam-Webster's definition of trust is the assured uh, reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of something or someone, one in which confidence is placed. So dependence on something future or contingent. Sounds like hope. So here's the true Christian definition of trust. The words translated trust in the Bible literally mean a bold, confident, sure security or action based on that security. Trust is not exactly the same as faith, which is the gift of God. Rather, trusting is what we do because of the faith we've been given. Trusting is believing in the promise of God in all circumstances, even in those where the evidence seems to be on the contrary. So I believe the the following verse sums up the Bible's teaching on trust. And that is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, which states, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So now that we're on the same page on what the world and 
the word says about hope and trust. Let's see how the world aligns with the word. Or if we're going to get real today together, let's see how and what we align with. Is it the world or the word? And for those of you who haven't turned in, uh, tuned into last week's episode quite yet, the meaning behind this podcast is to ferret out the world from God's word. And if you're joining us, that means you at least believe in God's work. Heck, if you don't, stick around anyway. We're happy to have you here with us. So this isn't meant to be a Sunday school lesson or everyone comes to have feel-good moments and a break from reality. We have too many people and places and things that already do that for us on a daily. Anyway, we don't need any more. This is to get a glimpse of what the world is hiding, what the enemy is silencing, and what the nature of man is holding hostage in your lives right now. So where have I put my trust, faith, and hope into my whole life. I highly recommend you do this uh, you know, five-minute exercise. It may just change your life. I'm going to do it right now. On one side, I'm listing out all the things I have put my trust and faith into growing up until about two years ago. On the right side of the page, I'm going to put what God and his word says we should put our faith and trust into. Why would I continue another day on the left side when the right side is God's side? Sure, that's a rhetorical question, right? Yet it's also hypocrisy to know the right way and to purposely choose the wrong way. Am I right? That's what today's lesson is. And I hope and trust and have faith that you'll find great value in this episode. And Jesus will work within you long after you stop listening today. It's life-changing and for many, eternity-changing as well as it certainly was for me. Here's how. Left side of my page. So what I had placed my hope and trust and faith in up till around two years ago. So I hoped my mom would get married and be happy. I trusted in my mom and my grandparents only. I hoped that one day I could have a bed to sleep in and the yelling would stop. I hoped cars would obey the traffic signs and laws and not hit me as I walked around the city as a first grader by myself. I had faith that we'd eventually move into a house and not four people crammed into one one room apartment. I trusted my stepfather until he started abusing me. I had faith that by staying in my room and not making any waves, I'd be spared the rod. I trusted my mom to protect me. I had faith he would stop abusing all of us. I trusted I would get not get caught while smoking weed or getting alcohol. I had faith that as I was tripping on LSD, angel dust, smoking weed, laced with coke, that I wouldn't die or go to jail. I trusted the army to save me from the prison I grew up in. I had faith the new way in the military would provide great direction for my life. I trusted in my drill sergeants that they'd train me properly. I hope the one that wasn't paying attention during weapons training wouldn't accidentally shoot me or throw a live grenade my way. I trusted in my abilities because every challenge the army gave me, I passed. And they stretched me beyond my capabilities and taught me I could trust in myself to do anything I wanted to do. Don't think, just do, they'd scream. And I would. Didn't matter what, I was bulletproof from there, there on out. I put my trust and hope that every time I went out drinking and driving, which was almost every night of every week of every year of those six years I was serving in the Army, drinking 
12 plus mixed drinks plus a handful of beers and getting behind the wheel around 3 a.m. to drive back to base. Trusting my car to get me home and hope that I wouldn't be pulled over or in a bad accident. I put my trust and hope in myself that I could just finish my contract with the Army, get out of Hawaii, relocate and start making money and be free as a civilian again. Trusting in nothing but my possessions and money saved and paid time off I had accrued during my military separation. I trusted fate that I could move to Florida, not knowing anyone or having a job and had faith that someone would see how valuable I was and just hire me. I trusted in my new job and had hope to make money and meet cool friends and find some local weed. Drinking and smoking again all the time was what I put my faith in. Food, fun, smoke, drinking, clubbing, ecstasy. I hoped all those times I hopped in my car barely being able to see straight that my car would see me home. And I had faith in myself that I would keep myself just sober enough not to crash into someone or something or or be pulled over. I placed all my trust and faith in myself and my money and that was it. I had hope in myself that I had the brains, the experience, and the boldness to accomplish anything that I wanted to do in life as long as I was having a blast doing it. I hoped I could climb the corporate ladder and did so for the next 15 years. I had faith that I could outperform anyone, even while half hung over almost every working day. I trusted the success would continue, and it did. Money, more money, more responsibility, better positions, better living, more to spend on stuff. And yet I hoped for more. I hope that I could make the right moves in life to build a great way of living for my my wife and my kids and a great future. I trusted only myself to get me there and I did everything I knew how and had a fearless, bold, selfish attitude on everything I did. Somehow my faith in myself seemed to be working out. Well, well in my eyes anyway. I had hoped I would reach a point in my life that I was happy, filled with joy, filled with true peace and money and security and health and happiness and could keep reaching for higher and higher, better and better. I had hoped that the feeling like I needed or wanted more would go away for more than just short bursts of time. I had hoped that more money, a bigger house, a nicer car, a better job would give me a better life. I had no hope and no faith in anything but myself and what this world had to offer me. And I never consciously thought about it or or even put it into perspective because I didn't care. And the enemy had me exactly where he wanted me. Up till April of 2019, the right side of my paper, to my knowledge, would have been what I believed I could have hope in and place my trust into, written as... Occasional church when not too lazy to get up that early and get ready. And I would have wrote in John 3.16 because I was saved and that was it. It was my fire insurance because heaven is better than hell, right? I had more faith that my seatbelt and airbags would save me than I did that Jesus had been right there next to me. Holding me, protecting me, or, or carrying me my entire life up until that point. How sad and scary is that? I had more hope that I would be ultra successful in life, happiness, money, business, retirement, etc. 
then I did that God had a plan that and a, and a purpose for my life that I could achieve both with him and his power and love and grace and mercy and love and patience and understanding and salvation and forgiveness. So let's hone in on faith. Love is the foundation and faith is the end result. Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 11, verse six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I'll repeat that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So let's start with faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is an assurance and belief that God will do what he promised. Faith accesses heaven and brings its reality to earth. So faith actually turns our hope into substance and and looks into the uh, heavenly realm to provide what's needed. Faith is determined and aggressive and relentless in its quest. So when hope is not present, faith has nothing to grab onto. And likewise, hope without faith is simply a wish. So now that we've established faith, let's look at hope. Hope is an expectation of something good anchored in a trustworthy God. So hope finds confidence in a spirit-given promise, a prophetic word, a dream, or however, whatever way he has specifically spoken to us. So when hope attaches itself to God, faith is born. Hope comes alive and gains strength as the love of God is poured into our heart. The hope of a son or daughter returning to the Lord. The hope of a loved one getting healed. The hope of a successful business venture. All these are awakened as we encounter the love of God. In Psalms chapter 33, verse 22, may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. In Psalms Chapter 62, verse 5, yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. So faith and hope can go nowhere until God's love is active in our hearts through ongoing encounters with him. Let's have a look. So Romans chapter 5, verse 5 states, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So hope is born and sustained by continually encountering his love. Now, I'm not talking about simply knowing God loves us, but rather truly experiencing his love. So without a continual encounter with the love of God, hope will begin to fade into a distant wish. And when hope fades, faith dies. And when faith dies, unbelief and despair are not too far behind. I don't know what you're up against today, but I want to encourage you to put your hope fully in God out of the richness of encountering him. Faith will be awakened and an unshakable confidence in God will rise within you. So faith and hope are crucially connected and it's important to understand the value they have together so we can have an unshakable confidence in God. To be honest, both faith and hope have always been a bit of mystery for me. So by nature, they they seem a bit vague, right? You can't touch them, hear them, 
or see them, yet you see the evidence of each. People saved, prayers answered, and a joyful outlook of the future, just to name a few. One thing we do know, there is a crucial and vital connection between faith and hope. One simply can't live without the other. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Volumes of books have been written on the subject, but I'm going to uh, explain a few uh, thoughts, and they've just personally helped me connect the two. Faith is given by God to know God. So faith's object is God, his goodness and his power. Faith grows through the revelation of who he is by the Holy Spirit. It gains strength as we know God better. Faith's anchor is accessing accurately who God is. This is vital. When we understand God rightly, then we can confidently say all things are possible with God. When we rightly understand who God is and continue to grow in this understanding, then our faith increases. On the other hand, when we misunderstand who God is, faith fades and hope is not even in view. Faith is active. Faith lives and accesses God's kingdom. Faith has movement. Faith is best defined by demonstration. Faith is the substance of hope and hope awakens faith. There's not a two-way dynamic between faith and hope. Faith gives life to hope and hope strengthens our faith. You can't have one without the other. Faith is coming into agreement with what God is saying and hope anticipates its reality. So every promise, every prophetic word God has given carries with it life that can only be activated by faith. Faith comes into agreement and believes each promise, the prophetic word, and or the written word. The proof of our faith is hope. When we have hope in God, we prove that faith is active. Without faith, hope is only a wish. It's powerless. But when we have hope in God, faith is powerful. A wish is hope without God. It's something we long for, but is generally not connected to God. Biblical hope has its foundation, faith in God. So by faith, we understand, just as Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 states. So most of us need to understand something first before we have faith, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we have faith in order to understand. Faith is understanding, And lastly, faith is not presumption. The difference between faith and presumption is faith is our response to God's word of revelation. Presumption is our expectation of God to do something he did not say. Regardless of what we're going through, we can put our faith and trust in God and find hope. When we rightly discover God, we will undoubtedly find faith and be filled with hope. When both of these are active, we will truly have an unshakable confidence in God to meet every situation we face. Because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. 
That's Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus wanted to highlight that it doesn't take much faith for God to work in a person, but the disciples needed to believe it. He said this after Jesus' disciples could not exercise a demon out of a little boy that was brought to them to cast out. It can be deduced they were trying to exercise a demon because the father asked and because they saw Jesus do it, but they lacked the faith in God to actually cast it out. This characteristic in believers is not just true of the disciples back then, but throughout the centuries. It's easy to believe that Jesus could do great things, but difficult to believe he can use us to do even small things. So what does this verse mean? The mustard seed would have been a common enough plant in that culture. They would have been able to picture it without a reference. So it's classified as an evergreen. It's a, the Salvadora periscia, if I pronounce that right. Uh, it's, it can grow to 20 feet wide and 20 feet tall. They can thrive in environments typically hostile to most all plants. And their seeds are very small, but they grow extremely large. So the mustard seed in Jesus's example symbolizes the potential and faith. So when a believer begins their journey, they have just begun to learn about how much God loves them, how much he wants to do for them and all that he has for them. God wants to work with these believers to bring others to himself and to build his kingdom. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. That's John chapter 14, verse 12. So by following God's plan, a true Christians will do great things for him, even with the small faith they have at the beginning of their walk. I'm talking about you and I. For if you have yet walked the walk and or you're still walking with him intimately, then you are in the beginning of your walk with the Lord. Of course, the truth about a seed is that it doesn't remain a seed It eventually germinates where the seedling breaks out of the shell and grows into a full-size plant. Mustard trees are huge despite the size of their seeds. So faith cannot remain static or the same in order to have a deeper relationship with the Lord. The things people will do for God and their courage they do it with is correlated with the amount of faith that's present. If someone has faith that God saved their sins, but that God cannot heal an illness, they have a smaller amount of faith than someone who does. The courage to share faith in dangerous settings or to be martyred for it to take, it takes a lot of faith. James even wrote, faith without works is dead. That's James chapter two, verse 26. Faith must grow and it must be tested. It must be acted upon with good deeds and evangelism. So in closing, one of the many revelations that I've received over the past couple of years is the following verse, part of which I had missed my entire life. There was a part of the lesson I missed, but was the most vital of all. Now that God's revealed it to me, I just want to share it with you. Uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 19 to 21 says, do not lay up for yourselves Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves 
treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the next sentence that I always missed. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where you place your trust, faith, and hope is how you'll live your life and to do what your heart truly belongs to. You cannot serve two masters. And until I receive this revelation and conviction, if I'm being brutally honest and open, which is, it's thankfully is in my nature to be, my master was me and my hope and trust and faith in the worldly things and worldly promises and worldly deceptions and worldly lies. There's no wonder why they call Satan the ruler of this world. Those spiritual scales or blindfolds are his specialties. Lies and deception, and he disguises himself as an angel of life. Back to that list I was talking about in the beginning of today's show. Fast forward today, both my life and right side of the paper mirrors itself. For I've been given by the grace of God the full understanding and wisdom that true faith, true trust, and true hope can only be found and experienced through the power and love of God and his word. For he created all three. They're all there, wonderfully and perfectly laid out in your Bible. Anything less is foolish and not of God, but against him. So let's end with a a few descriptors of what we should always place our hope and faith in. So our hope comes from God and not from the things we see around us. God provides us dozens of scriptures to encourage us in hope and faith. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. That's Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. And I love how this next verse calls God the God of hope. Hope is a powerful world, is a word, isn't it? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. So let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 and 23. And here I just picked up a couple of um, Christian quotes about trusting God. I just They just really resonate with me. I wanted to share. Sometimes God's blessing or uh, blessings are not in what he gives, but in what he takes away. He knows best. Trust him. The next is from one of my personal favorites, Charles Spurgeon. To trust God in the light is nothing. But trust him in the dark, that is faith. The next one is sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. The next is God is perfect timing. Trust him. 
The next is the more you trust God, the more he amazes you. That's a daily thing. The next is whatever's worrying you right now, forget about it. Take a deep breath and trust in God. Faith is trusting God even when you don't understand his plan. Isn't that the truth? And last but certainly not least, least, it's one of my favorites. If God wants a thing to succeed, you can't mess it up. If he wants a thing to fail, you can't save it. Rest and just be faithful. Amen. Guys, what have you been putting your trust and faith into day in and day out? Think about that. So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. And I hope you were touched by God through today's message and scriptures. And if you could do me a huge favor, would you go right now to whatever podcast app you're listening through today and just give me a quick star rating. If you want to go the extra mile for Christ, just put a quick review. It takes 20 seconds. I'd love that help and support from you guys, which allows the Lord and the Holy Spirit to reach even more lives through the broadcast. And if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can write me a note on www.shaken-awake.com forward slash contact. You can also email me directly at ben at shaken-awake.com or even call or text me directly for any reason at 407-493-3208. Again, my direct line is 407-493-3208. I'd love feedback, questions, ideas, requests, criticisms, corrections. I want it all. And if you'd like to be a guest of the show, please reach out to me as well. If you've got a life or eternity changing story you'd like to share, please let me know and I'll schedule you in. We don't hear enough of the truth these days or the positive ways of God and Jesus Christ these days. This podcast is going to help change that up. I'd love your help with this where I can. So next week, tune in to either Sunday evening or whenever you're able as we dive into another hot topic. What does having a relationship with Jesus Christ mean? And why is it vital for your life in eternity? I'll repeat that again. What does having a relationship with Jesus Christ mean? And why is it vital for your life in eternity? Here's another mini teaser because sometimes the anticipation and excitement get the better of me. I've got this picture, which I promise to start uploading to the website, uh, uh, shaken-awake.com. It's entitled Judgment Day. So it has all these people in line and 99, I'd say a percent of them are gray in color and they kind of have their heads down. They're all in seven lines with the first person in line behind a white pillared platform. They're awaiting judgment. And there's only three of the, I don't know, maybe 80 I see that are wearing white and they're kind of glowing and they've got their heads up with the, with the what's this, a confident look on them. Two are in the middle of a couple of the lines formed and one is at the platform. It's their turn. Underneath it, it states, on that day, it will not matter how popular you are, the riches and possessions you've acquired will be meaningless. Your opinion, culture, race, 
or religion will not matter. In that day, only a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is all that will matter. You do not want to miss next week's show. It is a game changer. So until next week, take great care of yourself, yourself and each other, and God bless you all. 